listening to July 1, 2020, Law and Gospel on this Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, we have been taking a look at CFW Walther's distinctions between law and gospel. And we're doing it on the basis of his evening lectures, which lasted a number of months. This particular evening lecture we're looking at today is his 11th one, December the 5th, 1884. And he always has a little introduction prior to the thesis, which is going to be thesis number seven. What he says is, you can find many solemn warnings against false teachers in Holy Scripture. And this does not minimize the guilt on the part of those who follow the false teachers, because they permit themselves to be led astray by false teachers. And there are innumerable passages of God's Word where God warns people against false teachers and prophets. So, what Walter is saying in this introduction is of the men serving in the sacred office of the ministry, God requires not only that pastors love his word, but that we also tremble at it. Now, that takes a little bit of explanation. Why would we tremble at God's word? We need to be afraid lest we deviate from a single letter of the divine word. Because when we do that, we are not ready to shed our blood. And instead, we will yield a jot and tittle of God's word. Uh, Martin Luther is quoted by C.F.W. Walther. I feel like one passage of scripture could push me off the face of the earth. I have noticed that the doctrine that I proclaim to the people were contradicted by one passage of scripture. I would have no rest day or night and I would not know where I could flee. So CFW Walther is encouraging the seminary students to whom he is teaching. Psalm 119, verse 120, where David says, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgment. And so... Walter kind of gives a summary of the object of his Friday evening lectures in which we are discussing how to distinguish between law and gospel. That is the primary issue. And, and then he makes a distinction that a lot of people may not recognize. I am simply assuming you men will not become apostates. And I am also not afraid that you might set up new articles of faith. So what Walter is saying here is that he believes that these seminarians 
will not be teaching false doctrine or new doctrines. So what does he fear? I fear that you will not rightly distinguish law and gospel. You see, you can have a really good understanding of the doctrines of Scripture and yet still not apply those doctrines appropriately, which leads us into thesis number seven. And this is the third way in which pastors do get law and gospel confused. He says, You are not rightly distinguishing law and gospel in the Word of God if you first preach the gospel and then the law, or first sanctification and then justification, or first faith and then repentance, or first good works and then grace. Now, there were a group of religious people called Moravians that Walter was disagreeing with because they made these errors and they were helped make them by a man named Henry Melchior Muhlenberg. In fact, Martin Stephan, Walter characterized, he was the leader that brought them from Europe to the United States. He says, Martin Stephan never really was Lutheran because he had Moravian roots and therefore did not really believe as Lutherans understand the Scripture. So, what he says in this thesis is the law and gospel is not presented properly when the proper sequence is not done. And he has four differences on how the sequence becomes wrong. In the first place, the sequence is distorted if you preach the gospel prior to the law. And he gives some examples of that. Uh, the antinomians, which were people who really didn't like preaching the law first, they said, the gospel must be preached first. Start your preaching with the suffering and bleeding of Christ. Now, when we talk about law and gospel being preached, the word gospel is in its narrow term, its strict sense, as the opposite of the law. In other words, can we find a place in the Bible where the gospel is to preach first? Jesus, in Mark 1, verse 15, he follows John the baptizer in the mission of his ministry. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, Walter points out, is plainly a statement of the law. Then 
when a person comes to a acknowledgement of repentance that they are not worthy to be going to heaven it's at that point that you teach the gospel the apostle preached repentance first and then faith that's what john the baptizer did in fact in luke 24 verse 47 and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The Lord does not reverse the divine order, saying, forgiveness of sins be preached, and repentance. So here we're really seeing the forerunner, John the Baptizer, properly preaching the order of law and gospel. He pointed out the many sins of the soldiers and others, and in that way, moved them to repent, to recognize that they fell short of the glory of God, and then talked about the one who was coming, who would baptize you not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. Now, what I'd like to do right now is kind of give a, a metaphor on how that occurs. In a regular family, would parents ever say to their children, you need to obey the rules of the household and then we will love you, take care of you, feed you, clothe you, give you a place to sleep, and so forth. What kind of parents would that be? It would be parents who are really living under the law. They're not going to love their children until they obey the commandments. But Christianity is the opposite. For God so loved the what? The Christians, the Lutherans, the believers? No. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, God's love comes first. And then when we recognize and believe that love, guess what? We then desire to do good works out of a response to a loving God who died so that we will never die eternally and who lives so that we will live forever and ever in heaven. So that's the first way Walther shows by not saying believe in the gospel and then repent, but repent and believe in the gospel. It'll be like going to a doctor. And he says, well, here's medicine for you. What are you going to say? What have I got wrong with me? What's my illness? What's the diagnosis? The diagnosis always precedes the treatment. Or people won't take the treatment. So that's the first way in which 
the sequence is improperly reversed. Where you preach first the gospel and then repentance. Well, there's a second way in which the sequence is reversed. It's pretty close to the first. But you preach sanctification of life before justification. Psalm 130. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. First, you must grant us remission of sins, God, and after that we will begin to fear you by walking in a new sanctified life. And yet you hear a lot. In fact, every other religion in the world outside of Christianity reverses that. They say, you want to get right with God? Here's the sanctified life the holy life that you must live. No wonder so many people are afraid as to whether or not they're going to be saved because they realize their sanctified life does not meet the requirements of God. You can't get a better passage that Walter gives than John 15, verse 5, Jesus speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the life of sanctification. Because the life of sanctification is just not obeying the commandments outwardly. Even an atheist can do that. But to obey the commandments inwardly with the proper motivation of love for Jesus Christ. Therefore, to get the sequence of justification and sanctification wrong is another way. And pastors will do that by saying to the congregation, boy, You haven't been giving as much to missions as you used to. Let's really put our minds together and give more to missions so we can be sure that God will love us. That is a gross misunderstanding of the distinction between law and gospel. There's a third way when the proper sequence, and which is first law, then gospel, they make that mistake when they preach faith first and then repentance. And that's what a group called the Anonomians, they thought faith is the key. After that, you must become contrite and repent. And Walther says, how can faith enter a heart that has not yet been crushed? First, you must recognize that you are a lost sheep and that it is the good shepherd 
who goes in search of the lost sheep. In fact, in Acts 2.38, here's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, Acts 20.21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you try to reverse that order, you will have this teaching disproved by this verse. In other words, faith does come about, but it comes about after you recognize your inability to save yourself. So it's not faith first and then repentance. No, repentance first and then faith. The fourth way is when good works are preached first and then grace. You see, all four ways are as bad as the other ways. Ephesians 2 hits it on the head. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. Note that the the apostle isn't saying we must do good works so that God will be gracious, but rather the very opposite. By grace you have been saved. And by by grace, you are created for good works. First, you receive God's gracious attitude. And in that new state, you now desire to do good works out of love for Jesus Christ. You no longer remain under the dominion of sin. Now, some people say, well, the Old Testament is law and the New Testament is gospel. And Walther points out that while the character of the Old Testament is chiefly legalistic, namely, do this and you will live, the gospel is still proclaimed in the Old Testament. Uh, beginning with Adam and Eve and the promise of a Savior, and to Abraham, to David, to Solomon. And while the character of the New Testament is chiefly gospel, the law is not absent. Just read the Sermon on the Mount. What C.F.W. Walter does is he takes a look when the law occurred at Mount Sinai. Remember that? There was thunder and lightning and earthquake. It seemed like the world was coming to an end. Now, when the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, fire appeared there as well. But it did not consume anything. 
those tongues of fire were visible on the heads of the disciples, but their hair was not singed. A mighty wind came roaring out of the sky, yet it destroyed nothing. And Walter makes a point that the purpose of those phenomena was to indicate that at that very moment, Pentecost, an entirely different, a comforting revelation was about to take place. He kind of goes through the book of Romans, which he considers to be containing Christian doctrine in its entirety. He says in the first three chapters, we find the toughest preaching of the law. Then toward the end of the third chapter and in chapters four and five, the doctrine of justification is addressed. And finally, in chapter 6, the apostle deals with sanctification, our response to having been justified. And he says about this, here we have the true pattern of the correct sequence, law and gospel. Now, when the gospel is heard, Paul does not continue with issuing orders saying, now you must show your gratitude toward God. No, there's no threatening if these orders are disregarded, but they are given to the hearer by the mercy of God. Genuine sanctification follows justification. And genuine justification comes after repentance. He then goes and gives a number of incorrect sermon outlines. He has six of them. And he says the first one is a sermon talking about the way of salvation consists first of faith, and then true repentance. See, that's a reversal. Uh, Another sermon outline that's wrong, true prayer is based on the certainty of our being heard. And then true prayer is based on faith. That's wrong. Uh, A fourth way is when a preacher concludes his sermons with threats. He has done a fine job of making that sermon unproductive. That actually was something I had done. I did? Yes. I was criticized by a professor who was a member of my congregation that though I did a really good job in law and gospel in the sermon, I often would end it with salad or French endings. Now, I didn't know what he was talking about, so I asked him. And what he meant by that was salad, let us, or French, may we. So I would often end, let us therefore be good in our deeds towards God. And he pointed out that that put him back under the law. 
because it's impossible for him to be good. Very importantly, then, what Walter is dealing with are examples of how we fall short of the glory of God. And that, therefore, the antinomians who believe that you don't preach the law first are wrong. He said, they put the shoe on the wrong foot, trying to teach us law after gospel and wrath after grace. So, what we have here are four examples of how pastors can miss, deal with law and gospel. And we're going to kind of continue this conversation tomorrow where we're talking about on Rumination Thursday, marriage. Join us on the next Law and Gospel. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.